Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the Tribune Sports Editor, Chris Kwasinski. How are you doing, Chris? Great today. How are you? Good. We do not have an out-of-town guest this week, but we do have an in-studio guest, Tribune photographer Madeline Carter. How are you doing, Madeline? I'm great, Eric. How are you? I'm good. All three of us did go to St. Louis on Tuesday night. We covered the Luther Burden commitment ceremony. He did end up choosing Mizzou over Georgia and Alabama, and in his words, he is 100% locked in, even going back further than that. Missouri did lose to Texas A&M 35-14 last Saturday, so we're here on a bye week, but we actually have a lot of news considering the Burden thing. Do you want to touch on the Texas A&M game before we get into Luther Burden, or where do you want to start? Yeah, let's touch a little bit about that, just because of how really encouraged I was with the defense, which is not something I expected to say uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. And, and I know a lot of people probably roll their eyes and say, well, why, how, how? But to me, it was starting the second half with you know, three and out, and forcing a punt and giving Mizzou an opportunity to get back up on the board uh, to cut the cut the score to, to what a one score two score lead, but uh, the offense just never materialized. Yeah, I, I think looking hopefully at the defense is where you have to go from here. I mean, yes, they still give up thirty five points at Texas A and M, but giving up thirty five against North Texas looks pretty bad. But going off of beating Alabama and then only giving up thirty five to A and M looks okay. I mean, Missouri's road to a bowl game still looks. Bleak might be too harsh of a word, but it's definitely an uphill battle. They do have Vanderbilt in, I guess, nine days, and then Georgia in 16, and then I guess in 23 they have South Carolina. So you would expect if those games go as expected, Missouri would be 5-5 five and five going into the final two games of the year. And then so it's a win against Florida, who really has never played well in Columbia, even in the games they've won, or you got to go to Arkansas and win and Neither one of those are near guarantees. Missouri will likely be not favored in both of those games. So that's kind of where the program stands. But yet, we're talking here today with such a... I, I mean, we've talked in the past couple weeks, especially since the Tennessee game, about the program in a glass-half-empty mindset, which is a change from, really, Drinkwitz's entire tenure before that. And he needed something to kind of get it back to glass-half-full. I think Luther Burden did that in spades for them. No, absolutely. You talk about... A, a, a win to cap up all all wins, and after the Tennessee game, you knew that this this was going to be a struggle. Like this, the rest of the season was going to be something, anything for where the coaches were looking for any kind of positivity, and uh, that's hard to come by in the SEC if you're a struggling team. Look at Vanderbilt. I mean, they they, they were <laughs> took a late lead on South Carolina, and they were cheering, they were they were loving it, but. Uh, South Carolina came back and won that game, and it's hard to that's hard to stay just happy in this league for so long. And um, when you look at Mizzou getting getting Luther Burden was, I mean, it, 
the effect reverb, not just through Mizzou, but through the recruits, the potential recruits. Uh, talking to uh, uh, Isaac Thompson, the safety, uh, he, he was injured. You know, he and He's not playing his last season of uh, high school football with an injury. And I asked him, like, well, how's, how, how's it feel now? You know, how's the rehab going with uh, after seeing Luther come in? He's like, you know what? Feels great. You know, it's just one of those things where it's just a small thing. But uh, he also told me, like, you know, kids see that especially St. Louis kids, and you're starting to see Drinkwood start to own the St. Louis area. And Madeline, you were there with us on Tuesday night. What did you kind of see from the Luther Burden event, and what, what stood out to you? I think it was just really impressive how he talked about wanting to help rebuild his home team. And, you know, he passed up on these two powerhouses with Alabama and Georgia um, because he kept just saying that he really wanted to help rebuild the program. Absolutely. And that was a a huge part of his reasoning. And I think we all kind of had, you know, just instincts and, you know, we all kind of had an idea that this was probably going to happen. And as soon as he grabbed those two hats, Georgia and Alabama, it was a done deal. And I I think, and I did a ton of stats on this, but the thing that stood out to me, and I didn't even realize this, he's the highest rated prospect to ever come out of St. Louis in the 24-7 era. Like, I was like, there had to be somebody higher and... I get that star ratings mean nothing when you go to college. Like, for example, there are bigger names out of the St. Louis area, like an Ezekiel Elliott. But he was only a four-star coming out of high school. And then you have guys recently like a Terry Beckner, was not a high, as high of rated as uh, Luther Burden was. Um, you have uh, A.J. Epineza, who's now, who went to Iowa as a defensive back and now is on the Buffalo Bills. Not as high, highly rated. Still a five-star, but not as highly rated out of Edwardsville High School. The only one who was kind of within earshot, if you're getting down to those decimal points, was uh, Darrell Lee, I think his name was, out of Kirkwood in the year 2000, went to Florida. was only a couple decimal points behind him. But So basically, here's the St. Louis kid of, I don't want to call him the, the kid of the last 25 years, the one you have to get, and they got him. And so I, I think that it'll be impossible to overstate how big this is for Mizzou. This is the type of domino that falls that resets, and really, to Madeline's point, and I completely agree with her, this is the, this is one big step back in the right way. And I'll ask it this this way to you, Chris. Was Tuesday the biggest day of Drinkwitz's tenure thus far? Yeah, absolutely. You brought up the cliche of, of just, you know, stars don't matter. Uh, and I agree to that to some extent, especially when you can look at the two to four stars and you can see how many two stars have outplayed four stars and how many two stars go to the NFL draft and get selected in the first round in the first couple of days. But, but, but at the end of the day, these five stars, it, they, they, sometimes they don't materialize in the NFL. But more often than not, I mean, I would like to say like at least 85 to 90 percent, they end up being good college players, starters at some point. Uh, with the potential of being all-conference players, and he is that guy. I mean, I, <laughs> I looked up a, one of his highlights, and he, he, he caught a ball on a crossing route, hurdled a guy, carried another guy to the end zone. Like that, you don't teach that. Like that's something that is given by some sort of higher power, whether it's you know, the deity that Nick Saban prays to to give him all his wins at the end of the day, or or whatever. But I mean, that's this is the kind of thing that changes an offense. It changes everything, especially when you have a, a top-rated quarterback or crew coming into that's going to end up throwing to him. And that's Sam Horn. And you look at just how Drinkwitz in the 2022 class has kind of stacked up these recruits. So with Luther Burton, he's this number two recruit in Missouri history, number one being Doyle Green Beckham. And you mentioned the percent that materialize, I guess, Drew Greenback one is more the exception than the rule. 
you look, and then it's now Sam Horn is now, I think, number 11 all time. And you go down a little further, and there's Tavoris Jones and Marquise Gracial, who are both still part of the 2022 class. I mean, Missouri's class, I think, on 24-7 is now 14 in the country. This is really uncharted territory for this program. This is a class that it's all still about player development. It's all still about materializing what you have here. For example, Larry Roundtree. You mentioned those, those two-star recruits. He might be the best example in program history, a two-star guy from a non-pipeline state at Missouri from North Carolina. How many other guys on Missouri that are impact guys are from North Carolina? There's not many, uh, maybe in history. And so you look at that and how they helped him kind of go from guy who had one Power 5 true offer and all of that to NFL draft back up on the Los Angeles Chargers. That is kind of the big thing for player development. Now you bring in a guy like Luther who, let's be real, the college quarterback is going to want to throw to this guy. Offensive linemen are going to want to block for this guy. This is the type of player that, especially if he's as locked in as he says he is, and we have no reason to doubt him. That's why I asked him the question. This is still a verbal commitment, Luther. Like, you know, you still have time to change your mind, and schools can still contact you until you sign your name on the paper in the middle of December. How locked in are you? And he's 100% locked in. That's what he said. That's his words. So now he can go and be an ambassador for this recruiting class. And I think that might be as big a deal as him actually coming. Yeah. And especially when, when you just think about the, like you mentioned, the fine tuned thing of watching him bump out Sam Hoare out of the top 10. I mean, like, that's that's incredible. And when it comes to player development, I mean, you, you brought up Larry Roundtree, and I'll, I'll raise you one with Tyler Beatty, you know, a three star recruit that, uh, that bided his time, waited, and now he's the best player on this team. And when he, when you think about him, how much do you have to develop Luther Burden? I mean, you, you can, I was thinking about what happens when Kiki Chisholm graduates. You know, he's in a, he, can, he can fit in there right away. Right away. Literally the same kind of receiver. I mean, Chisholm is taller and heavier, but Bert, I mean, I mean, Burden really just can – Burden can start now and be easy. Like, Missouri's starting three of Dove, Cooper, and Chisholm. Burden is right there in terms of development right now. Like, he's a college-made player right now, and he's one of those guys that you know you're going to have to watch out for. He's, he's one of those guys that is just going to change the program. And that's when you look about, and that's why this is another reason why this is so huge. Who is the good direct comparison to Luther Burden at this point in his career in Mizzou history? There isn't one. Like you can say, well, Jeremy Macklin had kind of a similar story going, decommitting from Oklahoma and then becoming a program legend, but he was only a strong three star. And it, Luther Burden flipping is such a bigger deal. You have to go to a basketball, you know, kind of comparison with Michael Porter Jr. That was a huge deal. He is incredibly highly rated too. Probably even a stronger rating than Luther Burden, being the number two prospect. I think the 2017 class. I mean, Luther's rating is probably more along the lines of Jonte, who is also a five star that they got. But Michael was only here and played three games for Mizzou. You know how that materialized. He was always probably going to be a one-year guy here luther has to stay for at least two years yeah he has to stay for at least two and that, and that gives you the promise that uh whether whatever happens next fall with uh connor Bazelak competing with sam sam horn and he's going to have multiple quarterbacks he's going to have that that he's going to have the competition he's going to be able to play with the guys that drinkwitz has brought in and i think that's the key and everyone wants to talk about being patient you can't you can't overlook the fact that he's still recruiting his class and it takes what two to three years to, to finally get the influx kind of flush the guys in kind of 
get get the guys that you recruited into a program and say like okay like now this is the these are the guys that I have and, and Drinkwitz overachieved his first year and uh, and that's that's something that he he talked about at the Texas A and M game a little bit he kind of mentioned like hey you know maybe we we kind of got everyone too excited but I don't think he I don't think he got everyone too excited because he's hitting right on the mark especially with the Luther Burton commitment. I think maybe in terms of team expectations and in terms of what is possible with this roster on a year two, there was maybe jumping a little bit too far. The one thing that did not exceed, or you can't say didn't exceed expectations, was Drinkwitz himself. He absolutely leveraged the every part of a pandemic job and a Zoom era that he could in recruiting and in public relations. You know, I think a lot of people identified and thought there was higher expectation for the program because Drink was so relatable, but yet. You have Drink, who took a maybe if Missouri got a top forty class in the past, it was seen as a success. Now Missouri's in the top fifteen. Is there some legitimate thought? And I understand what I'm saying here because Georgia is Georgia, Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Oregon and UCLA just always USC too just always recruit their butts off. Um, but is there some thought that the job Drinkwitz is doing on the recruiting trail? And let's be real. The opinion of one 17, 18-year-old kid shouldn't matter this much. We said that before. If he didn't choose Mizzou, we should still say it now. However, does the health of the recruiting nature of this program and Eli Drinkwitz and his staff as recruiters, does Luther Burden elevate them to where you can call on a national level going right up against Dabo Sweeney, against Kirby Smart, an elite recruiter? Can you say that after Tuesday? Yeah, I think you can, especially when when you just think about that's what he was brought in to do. And that was one of his top skills as a coach. And yeah, it's difficult to, to look at the results. And But at the, end of the say, at the end of the day, you say, well, he's still producing on, on the end that you brought him and you paid him to, to come here to do. Um, it's it's tough, especially with the Blue Bloods. I mean, that was the pitch. Um, I believe it was on three that was reporting the pitch to Luther Burden was from from Georgia was, hey, you you got to come here, you got to earn it. And and at the end of the day, I think Drinkwitz's pitch. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it's easy just to say like, hey, you come here, you start right away, you're going to be the guy. And that's not only that, but just change a program and to be able to offer that to someone and to actually you know not say it facetiously or just kind of say it just to say it. Like he's he's being serious and conveyed it the right way. He did it perfectly. That's his skill. That's what you brought him in for, and he's doing it. Yeah, and there was the line. I think Frank Cusimano out of St. Louis, the sports director KDSK, reported that Kirby Smart gave him the line, "We don't rebuild, we reload." And I think that that was thought to be a great canned line to give to recruits. From what I'm hearing from Luther Burton, that might have. I mean, his mind was already made up, according to him. But for his line of thinking, that might have been a negative. And with a kid of like, you know, you're you're just another tadpole in the huge huge swimming pool. Luther Burton, I think, as much as when he wants to be a hometown hero, he wants to be a difference maker. Like you got to be a confident kid with how much he plays. And there's a difference between confidence and cockiness. And what I interpreted Tuesday night is still confidence. At the end of the day, holding that ceremony where he did um, at the Herbert Hoover Boys and Girls Club at Grand and Dodier, where the former home of the St. Louis Browns and St. Louis Cardinals of Major League Baseball, like that was really cool. I mean, being there to see where the old home plate location was, that was pretty cool. But um, holding it a ceremony there with the kids who were the same age as him when he started there in attendance, with all of his family there in attendance, I mean, that was a surreal part of this thing because if they, I mean, the Fox Theater is right down the street in St. Louis. They, if they had sold tickets and they, you know, hyped this thing up like a big actual like ceremony, they probably could have sold the building out. Let's be, I mean, but they had a small, intimate thing for the numbers now number five recruit in the nation. He was elevated actually Tuesday night from six to five the night. Actually, it's a tie with number four, but 
they actually break ties somehow, and he's now number five. But uh, you you look and you just see just the difference between his national reputation and how small and intimate Tuesday night was. I, I I'm impressed with the kid. You know, I'm gonna still cover him the same way. But in terms of someone coming in here, I I was impressed. Kind of the same way I was really impressed with Ryan Horskamp, who has not played I think a meaningful down from Missouri yet. But talked to him at the end of last year, and he just seemed really prideful in Missouri. I got the exact same feeling from Luther Burden. Yeah, and I got the same pride from the the other recruits that that were there to watch him commit too. Uh, I mean, there's offensive guys, there's defensive guys, and defensive guys are excited. They're not going to play with Luther on the same side of the ball, but they're still stoked, and that says a lot, especially when you go from uh, just just thinking about the idea of like, oh, we got a good guy, to like, oh, we got a guy that we know is going to help our team, and they're 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 bought in, they're sold. In. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, in attendance on Tuesday night was Jamarion Wayne, also. Uh, Marquise Gracial, and as you already mentioned, Isaac Thompson. And uh, we'll take a quick break here to hear from our sponsor. But when we come back, we will talk more about Luther Bird's commitment, what it means for Missouri, and maybe talk a little bit, of, get into a little bit of the Vanderbilt talk. Is that all right with you guys? Absolutely. We would like to thank our sponsors with the Columbia Daily Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, John, question. With Auburn firing Gus Malzahn, it leaves Ed Ogeron as the SEC's only coach who has beaten Nick Saban. Who's going to be the next SEC coach to beat Saban? Well, I don't think he'll be the guy that a lot of people think he will be. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M. I like Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He almost beat Saban last year, and he almost beat Saban when he was at Tennessee. Fisher promised he was going to thump Saban's rump whenever Alabama comes to College Station. I think he's got a shot. He improved Texas A&M to 9-1 last year. He's got a national championship to his name. If Haynes King is the real deal, he's got an early opportunity in October to beat Nick Saban. Look at Saban's track record for losses. It's usually to a great quarterback. Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, or Joe Burrow. Matt Corral at Ole Miss, I think, could be the best quarterback in the league. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams. Let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Nealon, but I did interview Bear Bryant and I interviewed Nick Saban and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome 
Welcome back to the Mizzou Sports Podcast here with Madeline Carter and Chris Wazinski talking Luther Burton's commitment to Missouri, which happened Tuesday night in St. Louis. Madeline, you wanted to talk out of the break. Just what do you think kind of just the fan reaction was to him committing to Missouri? I mean, did you see that video that was posted? And I think it was Phi Delta Theta at Mizzou where they were all just like screaming at their TV when he committed. And they were screaming when he picked up those two red hats. They were screaming, throw them, throw them. And he threw them. Yeah. It was was a fun thing to watch them do that. He definitely felt the love from the Mizzou community. But just, you know, in the days prior, in the days coming, I mean, it, it definitely felt like it was more up in the air than maybe a lot of us thought it was. I don't think any other schools showed as much hype for him possibly committing to them as Mizzou fans did. I mean, there were people on social media who had Luther Burden to the zoo as their display names on Twitter. I mean, it was everywhere. Like, the comparison for me, and this is not a good one if you're a Mizzou fan, but in terms of the hype beforehand would be Kelly Bryant. Like, seeing Fraternity Row for that Kentucky game, seeing just the hype of bringing that Clemson quarterback that in the days following Drew Locke what was huge. And Luther Burton was in that territory, and there really hadn't been a welcoming committee from the general public since him that had really had anything that strong. And it seemed like that really endeared him to the fan base. It seemed like that really kind of helped make up his mind. He said it happened during the North Texas game after, I guess it was one of the two uh, touchdowns, maybe J.J. Hester, maybe Tyler Beatty. Uh, but after seeing kind of the reaction of like, okay, I can do that, this could be me, really sold him. And I think that, you know, and we can talk about this a little bit. Um, there's a reason why after Walter Payton retired, uh, Chris Kuzinski, the Bear, Bears fan over there, that no one, no one wore 34 after that. There's a reason for that. Mizzou had number three open after Sean Robb switched to defense is now his number 12. There was always kind of a spot for Luther Burden in his favorite number on offense. Those little things matter. And I think that from start to finish, you know, Missouri's on the way out or on the outside looking in on Luther Burden for a while. But at the end of the day, it seemed like they landed this plane the right way. Yeah, and, and that's Drinkwitz's recruiting style at play. And I mean, you've seen it, and it's, now it's... Now it's on a pedestal for everyone to see. It's not. It's no longer just a topic that's been talked about. It's a topic that's at hand. And we can go back to talk about who's the only person ahead of Luther Burden in the Missouri recruiting rankings all time. That's Doyle Greenbeckham, and he just didn't work out for him in Missouri. And so when people see, okay, a, a guy of this rating that hasn't happened in such a drove. I mean, it's been two D tackles in Beckner and Sheldon Richardson. And then you look at Green Beckham, and now it's Luther Burton. So two wide receivers, two defensive tackles. You get to see it in this era of college football, what a five-star kid looks like. You see it at other schools. Now Missouri fans get one of their own. Yeah, and it's it's funny when you talk about Doug Green Beckham just not working out because I mean he ended, up, he ended up scoring I think like 17 touchdowns at Mizzou, had like an 800 yard receiving season, and ended up going to the NFL eventually. Yeah, he transferred to Oklahoma and it was dismissed from the program, but I mean. I, he ended up being an NFL player. That that's not something you can uh, really dismiss. I know he's had his troubles, and I, I hope he's doing better now. But um, when he, but at the end of the day, he he still made he still made an impact, an uh, impact on a team that I, I believe was close to to winning an SEC title. Yeah, he, he essentially his freshman year was kind of marred with everything. It was the 2013 season where his sophomore season, where he was second team All SEC. He was a, an important player on a team that was essentially one game away from winning a national, or sorry, competing for a national title. They win that SEC title game against, I believe it was Alabama, that year in 2014. 
they go to the national championship game, they get a chance at it. That's one of the kind of the two years revered as Missouri had a team good enough to win a national title. And Doyle Green Beckham was part of that team. You still had LaDamian Washington. You still had other players who could make an impact, like a Henry Josie. But he was part of that team. He he absolutely was. And then it was kind of a mass exodus there for a little while. And Mandy Mock took over as quarterback. And then he ended up in the NFL. And this is kind of the next kid of that caliber since then. There have been others who have kind of elevated themselves to that level, but no one's come in quite at this level ever for Missouri, at least in a football sense. No, and that's why it's so exciting. And I just, I just keep thinking back to the to the burden and horn connection that we're going to see eventually. And I want to see what that looks like. I want to see what that chemistry is like. You saw, uh, what is it? after the burden commitment, Sam Horn tweeted like, "Oh, this is going to be fun" with the tiger emoji, and burden replied with like that laughing emoji. So like, you, they're already like they already got the banter going. They already got the chemistry going. And I, I mean, you think about it, some of the great connections that you've seen over the years from like. You know, Chase Daniel to Jeremy Macklin. I mean, you think back to other SEC schools, so like um, uh, AJ McCarron to Amari Cooper, and those seasons that those Alabama teams that won national championships. I mean, the potential is there to be that classic. Where you think back, oh, remember those guys? Remember how good they were? Yeah, it's it's fun. It's interesting because you know, with talking to Chase Daniel a couple times, it was like how many you know kids born around 2007, 2008 named their kids literally Chase Daniel. And so our kids going to be named Luther Burden coming coming up soon at Missouri. Where you you know would you name your kid Luther Burden? I, I like Luther. It's a nice name. Yeah. Luther Kwasinski. Luther Burden Kwasinski. You have to sell me on that one, but I, I could see it. I haven't picked up. It sounds better yet. than Eric Burden Blum or, or Luther Burden Blum. Excuse me. Burden Blum. Burden Burden Blum. Just just I, I'm not sure that's that that's the nice. The alliteration name. rolls off the tongue. I, I'm, I'm I'm saying that knowing that my father's name is BB, but I'm not a fan of alliteration. So. Just I'm just not, just not my thing. Right, his thing, not my thing. But yeah, and then you have obviously your name. Dad's name is Bruce as well. Bruce Kaczynski, BK Burger King, but no Bruce Kaczynski. But no, uh, no, De- definitely a. Uh, we're getting off topic here, but definitely a huge day in the Mizzou lore. Getting a guy like Luther Burden, and yeah, just I mean, it was cool to get to talk to his parents after two afterwards. I mean, so, learning some stuff about Luther. Luther is nine out of ten. He has nine sisters, eight older than him. Him younger sister and his real name is luther burden the third his dad luther burden jr gave him the nickname trey growing up that's why he wears number three instead of number nine but he wanted him to have his own identity which is not a lot not a lot of people know that he's kind of the third in succession of the luther burdens but uh, it was definitely cool to talk to them his mom gay really talking about how much she loved drink it was like he won her over immediately and that's part of the public relations part that i talked about earlier is one thing she pointed to is just his regular banter won her over like he was apparently saying stuff that made her laugh all the time and she was able to take a step back see the relationship the drink was just building with his son with excuse me her son and that really sold her that you know you made the right decision you're going to go into this family atmosphere here and i'm not saying georgia and alabama couldn't have provided that I think by the evident of talent and the blue chip prospects that just always go there, they can provide that atmosphere. And it's going to be really hard to talk, you know, about Georgia and Alabama in that light. But it seems like just for him, this a lot of things make more sense and are coming into light now, now that we kind of know all the information. I think it also says something that when he was in Georgia, um, he took like three, or his dad took three phone calls from Drinkwitz while, you know, Luther was there getting driven around in limos and eating this really nice food. He had really, really nice recruiting photos. Um, and they were still taking phone calls from Drinkwitz. Yeah, but both Luther and Luther, Luther Burden III and Luther Burden Jr. said they had to turn off their phones on Monday night. 
just from how much of a barrage of people were trying to get in his ear. And yeah, I mean, I mean, they never shut off Drinkwitz, and I don't think they shut off Kirby Smart either. And I'm not sure what they did with Nick Saban and everyone down there, but Alabama was always kind of the odd man out in terms of in terms of the three. It was really down to Mizzou in Georgia. That's where he took his two official visits, even though he included Alabama in his top three. And Missouri seems like this is a moment that if it can capitalize on, it can become much bigger than it already is. But for now, it's a big individual moment for Luther Burton. And I, and I think that, you know, looking at just now he gets just to enjoy high school football. He's going to early enroll in January. He's going to be here for spring football. That's going to give him an even further leg up to where in 2022, and we've talked about this in the past, Chris and Madeline, is that how Missouri's schedule in 2022 looks to kind of set them up for if they wanted to have that closing the gap year, it more lines them up than the 2021 schedule does. Because I think they start on the road against Middle Tennessee State, on the road against Kansas State, the FCS team that I can't remember off the top of my head. It's actually Abilene Christian. Just popped in my head. Then I think it's Auburn, Georgia, Florida, or something like that, those next three games. Then the back half looks a little more favorable. So you get Luther Burden in early, and maybe he's a little bit more ready than he would be if he just gets here next summer. Yeah, and you start to build that connection, then you start start to go from there. And I mean, I you shouldn't be lost on how how big it was. Uh, I mean, just you talk about the effort that Drinkwitz put into to getting this one guy, and you saw that. I know uh, Mizzou football posted a, a video on Twitter of, of the moment that he that he committed, and obviously they're not going to admit that because you can't do it with all the it, signing. It could have been the Bachelorette watch party. It could have been, and that's true. I mean, I do. I uh, have known to root for Michelle Young, Bradley University graduate, women's basketball player, great person. Well, we'll talk about that after we're done with this. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, but but you saw what happened. He sat down. He put his hands in his head. He run, runs his hands through his hair. Like you, you just one of those things where it's like a sigh of relief. You know, they mm-hmm. got the guy. They got it. All the work paid off. And they also tweeted out a video of him at that uh, like Papa shot, <laughs> like shooter shoot. How many takes do you think that actually was that? That was that was take number one. It had to have been. It's that, take that's how this one. works. I, take, I think yeah. he's got a wet jumper. I could see that. I could, I could actually. I don't. I think. I mean, Drink didn't play college football, but I think he's back in the day. He had to be some sort of an athlete. He definitely played high school football. I, th- I think he he could compete and has still kind of a nice jumper. If they had like a celebrity basketball game, he'd play. Clay Thompson, Eli Drinkwitz, same thing. Steph Curry, you know. Yeah. Same thing. Light it up. Yeah. So, anything else you want to say before we wrap up the Luther Burden talk that really stood out to you about Tuesday night from either one of you? I just can't wait to see him when he comes in and plays teams like Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah, that 2022 game would be here. I mean, that, that Vanderbilt game in 2020 was not close. That was the Sarah Fuller game. That game was not close. I mean, and Vanderbilt this year, and that's Missouri's next game on the 2021 schedule, looks to be favorable, too. So, Man, the, the, it is going to be fun to definitely see his journey because he's definitely a unique character in the Mizzou lore now. Definitely already has carved a path for himself. Yeah. All right. We'll get on to talking about The Bachelorette, which is there, there's more than just having a Bradley connection. Uh, for those who don't know, Clayton Eckert is going to be the next Bachelor. He is a participant on Michelle Young's season of his former Mizzou football player. Did receive uh, a rose from her on the on the opening episode that aired Tuesday night. I did watch it actually for only work purposes, though, no doubt about it. Uh, did mm-hmm. you watch it? Uh, I did not, but I was planning on watching that tonight. Sorry for the spoiler, but you already kind of knew that. I got a mean email saying that. How dare you spoil that? Even if you Google it, like you know, it's the Tribune's fault that we ruined Clayton Eckerd. Well, you know, it's a big deal getting getting a rose in the first day. I, I mean, that first impression rose is what people remember for the rest of the the rest of the season. Not. 
especially for Michelle. Uh, it wasn't the first impression rose. He got a rose. Oh, he got a rose. It wasn't the first. He got a rose. He was, he was like oh. one of the first people called during the rose ceremony. The first impression rose. Sorry, spoiler went to somebody else. Oh, bummer. Well, bummer. He's yeah, still, he still got a chance. Yes, still has a chance. Madeline, anything to say about the Bachelor? I was just wondering if you think he deserved the first impression rose. No. Okay. If you watched the episode, he definitely should have gone to another guy. Well, but, you know that on the first night, they have to keep reminding the woman of their names. Uh, there's like 35 guys. I wouldn't be shocked if she only kind of remembered about four or five of them. But I would put Clayton in that group that she would have remembered them on her own. Like, Clayton made a big impression, just not the best impression, I would say. Right. Well, what, was your, what was your impression of how Clayton was in the first day? I think Clayton looked nervous, to be honest with you. Like, because they introduced Clayton, and it doesn't say he's from Eureka. It says Columbia, Missouri on The Bachelor, you know. And so he's putting Columbia. I guess he technically lives here now. It's his hometown is Eureka, Missouri. But he technically lives here and works here. So putting Como on the map, they, when they introduce him, you know, they say he's a college athlete and a former D1 athlete, just like Michelle Young. And they show his former Mizzou jersey in a frame, and they go to his parents' house and all of that good stuff. Just the beginning of what is supposed to be – you know, a big season room because they kind of have the this season on The Bachelorette kind of trailer at the end of the episode. And he's all over that. You see him have a, outside of Michelle Young and like of the guys who get shown the most. He's one of them. He's going to be a major player this season, which we all figure if ABC is going to give him the lead for the next season, which is going to air sometime in the winter. So we'll probably talk a little bit more of The Bachelorette as the season goes on, especially now that Chris has interviewed The Bachelorette when she was an athlete, and there's the renowned Mizzou interest, right? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you would talk about um, intimidating people. Michelle, Michelle's a, she's an intimidating person, but just, just because she's so cool. She's oh, yeah. suave. I remember watching her at Bradley when she's playing basketball. I think she dropped, like, oh... 30-something points on Stony Brook one uh, one year. I think it was 2014, and, and she's good. You know what? And it's funny that you bring this up just because, like, ironically, one of my best uh, memories from Bradley Athletics was uh, 2014 when uh, Michelle Young hosted Mizzou. They hosted, a, like, it was like a 6-1 a or 7-1 Mizzou team. And Mizzou and Bradley ran Mizzou off the court. Uh, it was like it, it was in, wasn't very close. Mizzou tried to make a run at the end, but, I mean, it was like the first SEC win uh, for for Bradley in uh, I think like two decades or something like that. Like it was a big moment. Bradley was like two and like two and five at the time. Not very good. Uh, but but they they ran Mizzou off uh, off its own court. It is kind of funny how it you know ironically it pays off. In, what almost ten years later with, with Clayton coming on the show. Yeah. There and there you go. Well. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about before we we, we won't we talk a little bit about Vanderbilt next week, but that's what it's expected to be. That trip to Nashville, I'll be going to that game, and then Missouri actually does not have another home game until November fourteenth, and that seems like a while from now, even though it's not. But uh, anything else you got? Either one you wants to talk about before we go from podcast land? Let's see, Burden Bachelorette. I think we're good. We're good. All right. For Madeline Carter and Chris Kwasinski, I've been Eric Blum. Thank you for listening to this week's Missouri Sports Podcast, and we will see you next time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.